Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Training Unleashed. This is going to be a very fun episode because I'm talking with David Wood. And David is an expert at helping people put all the pieces together and helping people literally double their business. And um, he is a, an executive coach. His company is Focus CEO. And at a certain point here, I'm actually going to let him coach me. And uh, hopefully it'll be something of value for everybody. Um, but uh, David provided me a whole list of questions, and, and I'm going to I'm going to go to the one I think is the most interesting first, and that is sometimes doing nothing is worse than doing something. And David, explain what you mean by that. I think 20 years from now, and Mark Twain said something like this, we're more likely to regret the things we didn't do than the things that we did do. And I found that true. When I've gone back in my life and I've looked at the actions I've taken and I've thought, could, would, which ones would I take back? There really aren't that many. There's maybe one or two I wish I really wish I could take back. But what I do regret is the things I didn't do. I regret not standing up to bullies in school and just maybe punching one on the nose and taking a beating. I wish I'd done that. I regret the women I didn't ask out. I regret, um, you know, not fully going for an opportunity and wondering, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I'd, if I'd gone and done that. So I say playing safe can be the most dangerous thing you can do. And what I want for me and for you and for everyone is that on our deathbed, when that time comes and we're looking back over our life, we say, I gave it everything. I don't have to wonder. I really went for it. Sometimes I took some risks and they did not pay off. And boy, did I get smoked. But I didn't have to wonder. I, I have a saying, which is I hope my biggest failure is yet to come. Because if it's not yet to come, it means I've stopped trying. Whoa, that's good. And, and uh, I, I mean, I truly believe it. And the other thing I believe in, and it's interesting, John Maxwell has a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase, I'm not going to get it right, uh, which is, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Not yeah. saying it perfectly. And I understand his quote, because his quote's really about, you need to keep growing and keep doing things, because if you want to do better than you're doing. But I actually believe if you keep doing what you've always done, you do not get what you've always gotten, you get less. Because the world's changing. Other people are improving if you're not improving with them. That's interesting. I, the metaphor I like is um, we're in an orbit. You're in a, you know, most of us are in a, in a reasonably stable orbit. Some of us are in transition. And um, to bust open into a higher orbit requires some energy, usually. It's going to require different actions, it's different habits, different routines, maybe therapy, mastermind coaching. And I like, I can incorporate what you said is we're often in a decaying orbit. So if we don't put any extra energy in it, we might be decaying and, you know, spiraling in and going a little bit down, a little bit into a rut. Yeah. So it does take something to maintain 
what you have, and it's going to take something else to bust open. And then once you've done that, broken into that new orbit and you have new habits, um, that's your new reality now, that new level of income, that new level of time off, those, those new relationships with your kids and your partner and your leadership qualities, they become the new decaying orbit. And it's just, it's just normal now. Then you could look at, okay, what's next? How, do I want to bust up into another orbit? And my question for listeners, I don't normally ask this, but it just struck me as what a great question is, are you satisfied with your orbit? That is a good question. Yeah. That if you are, question. fantastic. I love that. And if you may also be satisfied with your orbit and have desire to, to see what's next and what's outside that. And I think that's the ideal place to be. I think it's great for people to be satisfied. I, I'll go further. I think that so many people aren't happy until they've achieved. And whenever you achieve, there's always another achievement. And a lot of people don't get that you need to be happy on the journey, right? You, you need to enjoy every moment of your life. Because if you say, I'm going to wait till I get married, I'm going to wait till I have kids, I'm going to wait till I have enough money for retirement, then I'll be happy. Well, there's so much time and there's always that next, that next milestone. So, you know, I think it's going to be happy, but, but at well, the same time, you got desire, right? Yeah. You, you're bringing up a really great conundrum, which is, wait a minute, should I just live in full gratitude for everything that comes my way and not change anything in the world? Pure surrender, like Byron Katie, perhaps, or should I have desires and goals and play the game of, of being cause in the matter? There's an organization I trained with for many years called the Moore House. And they said, we hold the viewpoint that you are absolutely perfect and life is perfect exactly as it is. And so, you know, if you can have gratitude for that, that's a great place from which to create. And there's always room for more. And we include that in the perfection because if there was no room for more, we might have some stagnancy and, and it's like, it can start getting boring. So it's perfect as it is. And I have desires and that's also perfect. Yeah. And, and if there isn't more, what's the point, right? What's the point? You know, it, to me, I love, that there's more. I love that I can keep learning. You know, I listen to podcasts like all of my listeners here and they're here because they want to grow in what they do. And I think that's, you know, really important. You know, well, you're it, preaching uh, to the choir here because, you know, it sounds like you and I are both growth uh, mindset oriented and sometimes I don't want to grow. Sometimes like no universe, I was pretty comfy right now. And the universe says, no, it's time to shake it up. So I think you and I, um, and maybe your listeners as well, have that mindset like, yeah, I do want to grow and I do want to change. Otherwise, why go and listen to a podcast like this? I do think it's valid for the people who say, no, I don't want that. Or for this time in my life, I just want what I have. I'm a creature of habit. I used to think, no, you must, you must change and grow. Are you kidding? You've got to go and climb that mountain and you've got to go and do some stand-up comedy and you've got to No, Now I realize sometimes people who are just happy with exactly what they have 
can be our teachers as well. Having said all of this, I love a chill day in my life. I love a day with no agenda where I might just sit on the sofa and watch some movies. Um, but that's, yeah. my, that's my goal. That's my goal for the day. Yeah. So nice. So I want to shift gears here and, and I want to talk about something I think is really important, which is outside perspective. And I, I would like your thoughts as to why it's so important for people to get outside perspective. Well, I don't know who said this, but you can't read the label from inside the jar. So I love it. I, I, look, I'm very independent and I'm very good at an amazing range of skills. It just, it just seems to be that's the way it is. So I can go it alone and, and I do for sometimes long periods of time, but I've got blinders on, I've got blinkers on and I can't even see them. That's just the nature of the world. I can only see what I can see. And my biggest enemy is my own arrogance that I know everything and I don't need help. When you get outside perspective and you might get it in dribs and drabs from a friend or a partner or from your kid or something, or you read a book, um, listen to a podcast you might see things or someone else could see something that we don't see. And I think this is why I assume this is why Bill Gates, one of the most successful people of all time in some, by some measures says everybody needs a coach, just someone to at least say that is awesome. What you've just come up with and what you're doing at the minimum, but ideally to say, have you considered this? Have you, I'm, I've been amazed when something obvious is pointed out by a friend or a coach. And I'm like, I can't believe I was right under my nose and I didn't even see it. Have you ever played chess, Evan? Oh yeah. Chess? I love chess. Okay. So you're playing chess. You see what you see and you don't see what you don't see. So you might see, Oh, I'm going to about to lose my night but you may not see that three moves coming. This thing's going to happen. Someone else looking at the board sees it because they're looking at different things. So yeah. I, sometimes I say to people hiring me is like hiring a second brain, um, you know, upgrading your computer with extra Ram so that you can see some things that you hadn't seen before. Maybe you'll come up with those things by being asked the right questions or maybe it'll be, uh, it'll be your coach that says, have you considered this? I just did a therapy session. I mean, I was the recipient of a therapy session. And at the beginning of the session, I'd said something about universal flow. I just had this idea that, you know, Evan does something nice for me. I do something nice for someone else. They do something and it just flows. It doesn't have to be two way. And at the end of the session, I was all in tears and having trouble receiving from a friend. And she was able to make the connection, which is quite obvious now that I'm telling, telling it on a podcast, make the connection, say, is it time for us to come back to how you started this session? Is it possible it doesn't have to be reciprocal, that you do give enough in the universe and you don't have to give back exactly hundred percent to your friend. And I was like, wow, I did not put that together, but it's obvious to her because she's outside of my brain. 
So there's maybe a long answer to your question, but I love that about outside perspective. They call it the clarity of distance. Yeah. So the, the one thing that I find is for someone to receive coaching, they need to have a mindset that is open to be coached. Um, yeah. And maybe you could just talk about that. If, if, if somebody was interested in being coached, look, at, we, we have a show here and our listeners are trainers. And there is an aspect of training, which is about building e-learning, doing live training, uh, doing webinars, all of that. But there's also an aspect of training in the business world about coaching. You coach the people that directly report to you. Um, you get coached by the person above you or to the side of you, but you also get to coach above and you get to coach the side. We're really now talking about a completely different kind of coaching, but I think this idea of what this mindset is that I'd like you to expound upon, it's true for anybody receiving coaching. Like if, if the person, if, if you're receiving coaching from, uh, it could be, you know, and I, I say this because I think it, this is the way the world should be. It isn't this way. It is in great companies where somebody that reports you can give you coaching, right? You're, that you're open for that feedback. Um, but the context, I really want you to answer this question. And I know I'm being a little long-winded here, which I apologize for, is when you work with somebody who's being coached, which in a moment will be me, what do you want my mindset to be? How can I be most ready to be an effective receiver of coaching? Yeah, great question. And I think I want to maybe tweak it a little bit. I'm thinking the question that comes up for me is when you want to coach or train someone, say on your staff, or it could be your kid, or it could be your partner, or whatever. but if you want to provide input, how do you go about it? such that they're in a, a, a state ready and willing and, and wanting to receive it versus get lost. I didn't ask for that. Would, would that be a reasonable reframe? Yes. Of the question? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I've got someone right now who was interested in working with me and uh, he wants to bump revenue 20%. And uh, I just got an email saying, Hey, thanks. I've decided I, I don't want to work with a coach right now. I'm not going to do it. And I noticed I feel a little sad by that because I'd said to him, I think 20% is too low. I think you could aim higher. Is it possible you might need someone to challenge you, push you a little bit and then help you create a plan to do it. And I created a space for him to step into. I trust that he's not ready for whatever reason. Doesn't want to, maybe it's scary. Maybe he doesn't have trust in me. It doesn't matter, but I can't coach him. He's not ready. Now, if you're coaching someone, say you've got a staff member, I, I coached a lot of executives last year. Um, and, and it's a lot about leadership and communication. And one of the things that came up is like, I had one executive, he just assume that his staff are going to take feedback well and take training and take correction. He'd also assume that they have time to talk with him when he goes and knocks on the door. Yes. So there are a lot of assumptions and I helped him grab a little bit of humility and caring and start, firstly, start checking in. Hey, I'd like to chat with you for about 10 minutes about um, something that I think will be pretty cool. 
do you have time now or we can make time later? So at least give them a choice. Now, if they've said yes, okay, now at least we've got consent for the conversation. And then I try and enroll them. Hey, I've noticed some stuff that you're doing that's really awesome. And I've actually uh, been telling a couple of people about it. So I want to call that out and, and acknowledge you for that. Boom, boom. Okay, we start with the positive. And then I've noticed some things that seem a little off and they're not quite working for me. I want to see if we can sync up. And I got some ideas. Maybe you got a better idea than I do. Could we talk about that for a few minutes? So I try and enroll them in it. You know, this is, this is what's going to be good about it. Or even as simple as I've thought of a couple of things that will make my life so much easier. Could I tell you them and see if you're, you're open to trying this out? Now they're like, oh, he's got positive intent. He's asking for my help. Okay. And then, boom, here's the training. Here's the correction. Now, I don't always remember to do this, right? So this is a bit of do what yeah. I say, not what I do. But when I do remember, I'll try and set the context so that they want to be in the conversation and they're open and receptive to it. Sometimes it's as simple as... um are you open to some suggestions? Are you open to advice? Would you like some coaching on that? Sometimes if I'm really present, I might say, you know, I notice my mind wants to help with this and jump in and make some suggestions. Would that be useful or would you rather I just listen? It's a really lovely question to ask someone. Now, a lot of my friends, they don't want automatic coaching. They, they, just they don't may not know what they want but once i ask that question they can choose oh actually i'm not ready for solutions yet i just i'd like to talk about it a little more maybe just be witnessed in it okay great yeah and now i want to hear themselves and to yeah to hear themselves and to talk through through the issue with my wife many times she'll start telling me a story and i go is this one I just listened to, or is this one where you would like me to share, to share feedback? Tortle Training's Learning Matter experts are passionate about designing effective solutions that move the needle. Whether your organization needs development of e-learning courses, instructor-led training, or assistance with creating optimized electronic versions of employee handbooks, our team can help. To learn more, visit tortle.com slash learning development. You know, as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you, um, I guess I'll make a comment that I'm going to ask you a question. I think it's so important that feedback also be positive and that people intentionally catch people doing things well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in, in my book, Engaging Leadership, I talk about the five to one rule. It's not a literal rule, but, you know, catching people doing things right five times for every constructive criticism, because we tend to just focus on what's not working and not focus on what's working. Yeah. When we focus on what's working, sometimes building on what's working is more powerful than fixing what's not working. And when people know that you see how much they're doing well, then they trust your feedback more. But I, I love that. I love that you said this because I think the nature of the ego is to look at what's not working. That's the nature. Let's look at what's broken. Let's look at what's going to bite me on the butt and handle that. That's what we do. And my brain naturally is going to 
going to look for what's wrong in what my uh, assistant or social media person has sent me and then try and correct it. So I do believe that we need to try and counter that need to try and counter that. And one way, um, so when I'm working with a client, that's their natural thinking as well about themselves. They're like, this is what I did wrong. This is where I fell short, blah, 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 like on and on and on. And part of my job is to help counter that and say, let's start with what you did well. Well, I did this, but you know, we're not doing the buts yet. You did this. And like once I was with a group of people in the Morehouse and I said, yeah, I, I, I cleaned, but I, I, I only cleaned the microwave. I, I didn't, I didn't touch the rest of the kitchen. They said, is that what you do all the time? Like, do you negate all of your achievements? Cause you did actually clean the microwave. I was like, wow. I was like, I did this, but so I, one of my aims is to counter that and have people really pat themselves on the back and acknowledge themselves for what they've done. So we've been talking about this sort of here, there, and everywhere, but I want to put focus on it. Okay. And that is the danger and the pain of judgment and people that live in judgment versus people that are receptive and opening. And what are, what are your thoughts? And I phrase my term judgment as, as bad, because that's where I see it from, but what are your thoughts in terms of the impact on people living in judgment on their well, life? Well, Marianne Williams said, Marianne Williamson said, the ego is vicious at worst, worst, suspicious at best. That's the ego. So um, over my whole life, uh, I started with the ego telling me everything that was wrong and shameful not not obviously that'd be you know more hidden but oh don't tell people about that and don't show that and don't show that on a date and all of this hiding and it's been a lifetime journey and i'm still a work in progress to catch it oh whoa like when someone said how's your relationship with yourself i, I was like don't be stupid how can i have a relationship with myself i had no frame of reference i didn't understand and then i caught my inner dialogue saying, you really screwed that up. And I thought, wow, if I can say that to myself, I could also say something positive. Hey, that was a really good job. And that's when I flashed, oh my God, I have a relationship with myself. I did not know that. So I think a lot of us, most humans that I know have some form of shame going on in some form of judgment. I'm not enough, not tall enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not making enough money. I'm not blah, blah, blah. If we're you brutal, can catch we're, it, we're brutal on ourselves. Yeah. If you can catch it, you have a chance of starting to shift the dialogue to something more positive, which is, Hey, nice job on that. Whoa, you sometimes I'll say, I'll go to the fridge and I'll, I'll do something. I'll drink like a smoothie. Then I'll go, David, you legend. Nice job on the smoothie. <laughs> All right. I do that to counter the negative stuff that, that goes through from a lifetime of habit. Yeah. And the compare and contrasting ourselves to others, I think incredibly. 
But we're going to shift gears because I promised that I was going to let you coach me a little bit. Yeah. We're running short on time. So I got to get to this. Do some laser coaching. Laser coaching. So I have a person on my team that is afraid of selling our e-learning product, our course development work. Because when we work with a person or company rather, and we develop a series of e-learning courses to solve a problem, maybe it's a sales problem, maybe it's a customer SaaS problem, maybe it's an, a product education problem, it, you know, whatever the problem is, that it takes a lot of work with, you know, real experts and planning and curriculum design. It's not like you're just sitting there on a computer and whipping out an e-learning course. It takes a lot. And, and what's this person afraid of? He's afraid of price. So I'll give you an example. Okay. So I'm showing it the economic value. And I go, okay, this company has this many locations, this many dollars per sale per location. This is the contribution margin, et cetera. If we could help them improve their closing rate and increase, ultimately increase their sales by one percentage point, so we're helping them go, let's say, from 35 to 36%. And you take all their sales and you do the math and then figure the five-year value of the training. It's $30 million is the value of the company. And the package to do this, the planning, the training, the whole package to create this result would cost the company $150,000. I said, if you were the company, would you think the 150,000 was worth the $30 million return? So as you and I are listening- What was the answer? No. Why not? He says, because I would need to know how many e-learning courses were there and how long was it gonna take for each one to be, and I would wanna feel like I got value for each of those courses because I, I think that, you know, people can go on and create their own e-learning because we have a, a self-authoring tool. They can create their own e-learning and maybe they could do it. It would cost them $10,000 to do it. Okay. So let's look firstly, before you start um, training and correcting that leech, what's brought good to you about this training, specializing in e-learning and let's interactive look at how to training welcome this. For well, corporate, one, he's not government, afraid. nonprofit, right? and franchise Somebody organizations. Afraid Tortal makes effective yes. training easier. Just right, go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make true. a difference. That's right. Portal. So he's willing to tell you the truth. T-O-R-T-A-L. Okay, got it. Tortal.net. And something else that I'm seeing is it sounds like this person has integrity and doesn't want to sell something to someone if he thinks they might be able to get a better deal somewhere else. And so there's caring. Yes. In this. So if you can sell this program to your employee, which you haven't been successful at yet, then um, I could see they might be a really good salesperson because they've got integrity, they care. And once they are really sold, um, this that's the good is, news. This person, this person is a very good salesperson. Great. This we person, just need them fully on board. Right. Because they've got hesitations. Right. Okay. But let me let me add to the story. And this person's likely going to listen to this, but I'm just you know add add to the story. I think it's important. Is this person's not used to spending a lot of money, right? This person's not 
you know, writing POs or working for companies ever. And, you know, there, we, you know, we have training companies that will spend a million dollars on a training program. So it's, he's new to selling for us. And he has been primarily focused on, because he's new with our smaller and easier customers. If you understand what I'm saying. So it's yeah. a big, big leap for him to, to move to that other value equation because there, there's a big difference, you know, between, you know, a small company with 25 employees and, 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 you know, an example I gave, you know, a company with 2,500 employees. Exactly. And you started you know, on the smaller companies where 150 grand is going to be a bigger chunk of the, of the budget. Is that right? Yeah. They, they literally wouldn't have it. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, so, matter, it doesn't matter what the return is. If you don't have 150,000, you can't invest. So it sounds like those small companies, uh, I might be missing something. It sounds like those smaller companies that you're having him sell to shouldn't be taking this uh, shouldn't be buying this package because they don't have the revenue yet. Is that possible? Oh, totally, totally true. And okay. what he sells them is perfect for them. Okay. But I want to see him grow. And I want to see him to be able to work with bigger companies that okay. have more sophisticated needs. Great. Is it possible that, that, that there is alignment here? Because I like that he's got hesitation to sell a big package like that to people who don't have the revenue to support it. That's awesome. I'd be like encouraging him to care for his customers. And is he open to, I like what you've been thinking about having him see that when you get to the bigger revenues, um, what comes to me is those people are not as price sensitive and they don't have the time to shop around and try and create their own course and try and do all that for them it'll save them money and time to just pick someone who's already got something good. And that could be a huge win for them. Do you think he's open to that possibility that as he gets to the bigger revenues, now it's more of a fit and they, they're not like shopping for a dollar off their shoes at the supermarket. That's not their thing. They want someone they can trust. Is it possible he might get on board with that? I think at time. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think at time, I think there's a transition. Good. And here's, here's another benefit of this is always look for how do we welcome problems. When he, when he really gets this in his bones, he'll be the perfect person to talk to someone else who's thinking the same thing. Absolutely. He'll be like, you know what? I went through that myself initially. Um, and here's what I came up with. And he'll know exactly how to lead them out of that place into how this is a great win. The other thing that came to my mind is, is it possible to put him in touch with people who are just thrilled and who have paid that amount and, and are, are raving fans of your product so that he can get up close and personal and feel it in his bones that he's doing a good thing for the world? Well, absolutely. We have lots and lots of raving fans. I haven't uh, talked to some of them. So, you know, like, can I talk to you about what was awesome about it? I want to really get this when I'm talking to other people who've got a hesitation. They've got this hesitation. I want to know what to say. Maybe, maybe that could help. You know, it, it's, it, it's interesting as you say this, it reminds me, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar once. And Tony Robbins talked about the disproportionate income of the people in the top one-tenth of one percent. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you look at, 
uh, singers and artists, most are starving, but the most successful make just astronomically more money than, than exactly. everyone else. And almost true in every profession. And those people want the best. They want what's going to work. They're not going to shop around for every budget option. They don't have the time. They've right. got the money, but they don't have the time. Yeah. Right. But, but I'm taking this actually a little bit differently, which is when you have size to buy the best, you know, so let's just say, for instance, you know, your company, you're having this big event and, you know, you're bringing in all your customers and you're going to have a, a, a concert uh, at Red Rocks in Denver, which is my favorite place to have a concert. You're going to have 10,000 of your customers there. You know, are you going to go spend 10 grand to have a local Denver act, which in Denver would be hugely expensive, probably can get it cheaper. Or do you want to bring in some big name person that's going to wow everybody yeah. and have them leave like feeling really appreciated? And I, you know, you've, you've sold me. And it sounds to me like you, you've got everything you need to bring this guy on board. And if you can't, okay, maybe he's not going to be the salesperson for you, but I have faith in you and your ability to sell him and work through all of his, his objections. So he becomes well, and amazing. He's good. And, and it's, you know, definitely have confidence. I want, I, I want, cause I'm sure he's listening. So I want to make sure he, he knows tremendous confidence. Nice. Okay, great. So we, I noticed we just covered a number of ideas and, and perspectives. What about that was most useful, if anything? Well, I think you did a very nice job reminding me of what was good. Right. Right. I, I liked it when you said what is good. And then I realized that he was willing to tell me the truth. Yeah. Because a lot of people would not tell me the truth. The other thing is that he's staying in the conversation. Right. He's not defiant. He's not, you know, he's he's staying, he's staying in the conversation. He he desires to learn. And then I, I really think, you know, when you, you, you know, the ideas that you brought up about, you know, spending time in, in the education, talking to some customers, maybe more time seeing the difference that, you know, it's a little difference can make the difference between effective training and unaffected training. You know, our company is about we make effective training easy and and we don't make shitty training available. And there's a lot of training produced that looks pretty, but not effective. And it's worth paying a premium to do it right and have incredibly effective training. And I need to help him see that. Yeah. And that I thought was an excellent point. Great. We're going to have, David, we could talk forever, but we're going to have to shift. So I'd Great. love to have you tell people a little bit about your company, what services, who are your ideal clients? Thank you. Yeah. Well, I focus on entrepreneurs right now. Uh, I've done a lot of executive coaching and I know there might be executives and managers listening to this. If you want help with leadership, I do love that authenticity, transparency, and uh, leading from a place of vulnerability versus arrogance is something I really care about. So I'd be happy to talk to you if you're interested in that. And if you happen to own your own company or business, um, that's really my sweet spot. I help people grow revenue and their time off. And then we look at how they're showing up in the world because I want everyone to die with zero regrets. And the way you can find me 
you can go to focus.ceo. That's my website. But I created a, a, a gift basket of goodies for your listeners. Excellent. And there's a cheat sheet on how to double your productivity. Um, and there's a way to schedule a 15-minute call with me if you think that you might be a good candidate for coaching and we might be able to do some great things together. You can use that link as well. And it's all at myfocusgift.com. That'll take you to a hidden page on my website, myfocusgift.com, because I want to give you the gift of focus. So myfocusgift.com will take you straight there. And if you want to get content from me, I send a couple of videos once a week. And I've got my own podcast, Tough Conversations with David Wood. You can do all of that at the same page. I, I, I previewed some of David's uh, podcasts and some of his conversations, and they are fun to listen to as well as educational. So I will give you uh, kudos on, on, on them, the kind of addictive you want to just keep listening to them. Um, I always end the show, and as you know, with, if you had one tip to share with our listeners, what would that one tip be? Pat yourself on the back every day. Acknowledge yourself for getting yourself this far and pat yourself on the back before you start looking at what you want to change about yourself and your life, and your career, pat yourself on the back. Excellent. Excellent tip. Uh, David, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank C-Suite Radio and TV uh, for being excellent partners. And of course, I want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, for without you, there would not be a show. Uh, deeply appreciate you all. Everyone have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.